0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to Take the Mic, with me, Ketna Tana. This is a podcast that welcomes you to share your story. Taking the Mic with me today are two incredible couples who are in what you may call a cross-culture or interracial, inter-ethnic relationship. We have my cousin Mayuri and her husband David joining us from London, and one of my really good friends Nicole and her partner Surin from Singapore. The couples are here to share their journeys of how they met, what they did to overcome cultural and religious differences, the story of telling and meeting their families and their overall experience of being in a cross-cultural relationship where love really has no borders. Mayuri, David, Nicole and Surin, welcome everybody to Take the Mic! Hello. To start off, can I have each of you introduce yourselves, please? Surin, let's start with you.
1: Okay, my name's Surin. I'm 30 this year. I'm actually Indian, born in a Hindu family, but I'm actually practicing more Buddhism. I, I work as a doctor and yeah, that's about it.
2: Uh, I'm Nicole. I'm a lawyer. Uh, I'm 31 this year. I'm Chinese, Catholic and um, Singaporean. Okay, thank you. May and Dave?
3: Yeah, hi, I'm David. I'm 33. I have grown up in Austria and spent the first 25 years of my life there, basically studied there as well and then moved to Germany after that. And now I've been in the UK for it's almost six years now. Where I've grown up, it's a very traditional and conservative area. All my friends are Catholic and I was raised Catholic as well. My parents, I would say, were always quite open-minded from the outset, but it's still conservative, traditional background, I would say.
0: Okay. Also, I didn't need you to share your ages, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm not saying mine.
4: (laughs) My name's Mayuri, but actually everyone calls me May. I'm Gujarati, first generation British Indian, raised in London, but my parents were raised in East Africa. David and I are very, very proud parents of a little boy, Dylan, and we are just working usual, same old everyday life.
0: Nice. So let's start with how each couple met. May and Dave, why don't we start with you? Because May, you're from London and David, you're from Austria, but you met in a different country altogether, isn't it? Post-graduation, I wanted to work abroad. So I decided to move to
4: Germany and I started working for a company as a product manager. And one and a half, two years sort of after I started, David joined the company and we sat next to each other in the office. And actually, he was supposed to come and work for me as an intern. (laughs) (laughs) But then I only had a six-month role and he he wanted to work sort of longer term for the company. So he went and worked for one of my colleagues, which was lucky because I don't think we would have been in a relationship if you were working for me. (laughs) We just became best friends. We just laughed all the time. We saw each other every day. We used to play pranks with each other in the office.
3: We didn't play pranks on each other, really. May play pranks on me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was kind of lucky how we were set next to one another, but also that I was not reporting into May. I think that was, was a godsend because you can't really date your intern, can you?
0: So how did it go from friendship at work to being in a relationship? David had joined and,
4: and, you know, we'd got to know each other really, really well. But about six to seven months afterwards, I had decided, right, I'm going to go back to London. I'm going to buy a house. We were just friends. But actually, when I moved back, it was then that we kind of both really understood what we had lost. We started a long distance relationship. And after a year of long distance, we were like, actually, there might be something in this. Let's give it a run. And then David moved to the UK.
0: David, was the plan always to move to the UK or did you move for me?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No other reason. And and, and that's the thing. We, we decided at that point after doing long distance for a while that something needed to happen for this to, to work, right? Long distance only ever works so long. So we knew, okay, one of us has to make a move. We spoke a lot about it beforehand, what we would do, how we could make it work. And then, yeah, ended up coming to the UK.
0: Okay. And then as they say, the rest is history, right? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to Nick and Surin, how did you both meet?
2: we have a more new age dating story so we met on coffee meets bagel
0: Uh,
2: i had been on the app for like i think on and off course of three years and Suren had been on for six months so he got lucky he did (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure how familiar people are with the app but basically like pictures come out and then you have a description about yourself and then you just swipe if you're interested in a person so we, we, we started talking, I think, for about two weeks. And then he finally asked if I wanted to go out. And I was like, that's not long enough. And then we decided to go. Uh, I think we planned I planned for a weekday night date because I wasn't sure it would go well and I was like it's a weekday (laughs) night I can see I've worked and been off early Uh, but we ended up staying pretty late I think we stayed till like the restaurant chased us out or something and they were closing so
1: that's always a good sign I was on the app only for six months but prior to her so I went on a date almost on a weekly basis just cause like I just wanted to meet new people right unfortunately like for some reason like a lot of the dates were boring (laughs) like 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 no kidding, like they were all nice people, like like really nice people. But uh, whether it's my sense of humor or whether it's something else, I just eventually came out of the date, you know, thinking, mm, yeah, I did enjoy myself, but still wasn't as fun or as entertaining as I hoped it'd be.
0: Yeah.
1: And then yeah. and then I met Nick. Right, and Nick is a completely different story. <laughs> yeah, it's like you could talk nonstop, laughing the whole way. Uh, so it was a really good first date. So I thought, okay, maybe this, you know, there's some uh, potential. So so we went on on further dates, and then because uh, I I had actually gone for a trip to Switzerland actually for like some trekking, mm. but uh, that two weeks seemed quite. <laughs> Uh, Seemed like quite eternity for, at least for me. So I was like missing, uh, yeah, then I was doing my own thing and it was fun even though I was in Switzerland. So I was like, okay, okay, maybe this is really something that, you know, uh, I would really want, you know. So when I came back, I immediately like uh, met up for a date and then I was like, you know, Nick, I think I want to formally ask you, you know, to be my girlfriend. And yeah, that's how it started. I think that was in 2019 uh, May, June. June June period June. yeah
2: so it's been about two,
0: two years, years coming
1: yeah. to
0: two years very nice
2: Nick how did you feel when Seren was in Switzerland
1: <laughs> apparently she's the independent one in the relationship <laughs> I'm the clingy one apparently
2: I was definitely missing him but you know I so I would say I was ready for him to ask me in a sense like I would yeah. have said yes but I was waiting for him to ask. But Nick, you could have just asked him out. I held his hand first. Like, that helps. Like, he was... We went on a really romantic date. He was, like, not doing it. I was like, what's wrong with this guy? I'm like, is he, is he not interested? And then...
1: And I was like, okay, that's a go. <laughs>
2: he asked me in a, quite a sweet way. He... Um, he found a well, a bit corny but sweet so he used to text me because he was obviously in the mountains and it was there was no wi-fi signal so he'd go to this spot and text me and so he yeah. found a rock <laughs> from that spot where looked, that looked like a heart shape and he wrote will you be my partner on it and brought it back so that was
0: pretty sweet
2: oh you old romantic <laughs>
0: oh those are some lovely stories so I want to now get into the differences that you mentioned at the start did any of these differences in culture religion and language as well because Nick I know you speak Mandarin and Surin you speak Tamil, did these differences ever pose as a question in your own minds?
1: Of course, the traditional uh, Indian, uh, you know, you grew up watching Indian movies, right? So it's always the the Indian hero and then the, you know, the the actress would be some really stunning Indian lady. And then that's, you know, in your mind, like, okay, that's how your wife is going to look like. <laughs> yep. But somehow, like for me, when I was growing up, yes, that was the kind of the image or the idea I had. But as I grew older, then you realize actually there are a lot of couples who are actually mixed and Singaporeans, we're just a bit different in the sense that uh because we are so comfortable with one another, I... I never actually saw it as a strict requirement. In fact, ironically, like in like medical school, there were a lot of interracial couples and a lot of Indian guys with Chinese girlfriends and vice versa as well.
2: For me, I think not race, but religion probably had a bit of a factor. Uh, I'm Catholic um, and I've, I've been practicing since I was young. So for me, I always had the, oh, let's date a nice Catholic boy. and But then the Catholic yeah. boys I dated were kind of, I mean, they were all Catholic in name, but I, I realised then slowly that just because they're Catholic in name doesn't mean we have the same values or principles or how we want to raise kids and, and things like that. And obviously then yeah. I met Surin, who I felt I could share a lot more openly about my faith. Um, and he was accepting of that much more so than mm-hmm. some of the Catholic boys I dated. And then that kind of shifted my perception about I needed to date a Catholic boy, but just someone who would accept me and for me. And... So that I could be more authentic in in my sharings with him.
0: Lovely. May when Nick mentioned Catholic boy, I saw you look at David. (laughs) Is there anything there you'd like to share? David's,
2: you know, raised
4: Catholic, but going back to Nick's point, being raised Catholic and saying you're Catholic doesn't actually mean you have or you practice Catholic teachings or your values are aligned. And that was actually one of the more contentious points was our Catholic marriage. There were more boundaries, more barriers to go through marrying a Catholic person than I would have ever have thought. So where we lived, we had to get like the Catholic dean to approve our relationship. And in order to do that, we had to attend like a marriage course. And then the dean of Southampton or something approved our relationship to the dean of Salzburg in Austria, where we were going to get married because that's where David's from. And only once the dean of Salzburg approved our interracial marriage could then the priest in our church except to marry us. We had a Hindu
0: ceremony as well, and we just got married. That is true. And David, did the differences play on your mind ever?
3: Y- yes and no, I think. We were always very aware of them, I would say, but they were never an issue. For me, the, the religious part, not at all, simply because I am not a practicing Catholic, I would say, or as much. In general, yeah, we were always aware of the differences and that there would be a potential for challenges and that there would always be a risk that this could throw things off for example. But that's why I think very early on, even before I moved here, we decided to like just talk about them straight on and tackle them really openly and that's communication is the most important thing and especially when you're from two completely different backgrounds. And I think that's where it really helped that may also like force these conversations very early on because it just meant we have to talk it through. Um, and there would then be, in inverted commas, no surprises later on. Of course, there's always something that you learn later on, but the basic principles and the big differences we talked about and we said, okay, do we really realistically believe we can overcome them? Um, because they are naturally there. grown up in different countries, um, different cultures, everything different. So yeah, I think communication was the key to that.
2: But it's interesting you mentioned the challenges faced in Europe in terms of getting married in a Catholic church because in Singapore, we don't have to get approval if you're marrying a non-Catholic, that's one. But two, um, Surya does care that it's culturally Indian. So mm. things like the thali or the flower garlands or like the throwing of rice, that's important to him we approached the priest and just asked about it and the priest who's Indian uh, also said that he can actually do the whole tali thing and the Christ showing and, and the garlands in, in a Catholic church and they actually do that quite often in Malaysia. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, they they just bless everything which is, I uh, guess what, the Catholic way to do it.
1: Yeah, but but uh, Nick, Nick mentioned quite early, I think it was on our first date itself or the second date. Okay, she didn't mention us but she said specifically I'm definitely only getting married in a church (laughs) and she was quite firm about it so as much as race wasn't really an issue like religion has always been something that um, I'm quite spiritual in that sense and uh, like as much as uh, I mean I respect her Catholic faith and I'm, I'm happy for her to practice a Catholic faith in fact I'm still kind of still exploring and understanding religions but I was quite cautious about the fact that if let's say she would give me an ultimatum that oh yeah you have to be a Catholic that kind of thing then that would be for me a, a, a kind of a downer for myself as a person as an individual it's be a bit difficult, you know, to have this kind of expectation, especially going into a marriage. So that, that was a possible small problem that I saw, but I think she eased it quite early on. Cause she was like, yeah, yeah it's fine. It's fine. Like, uh, yes, church yeah. is happening, but beyond that, uh, you know, you can feel free to explore and yeah, it's, it's been good. And then I've been happy to meet like even her priests. I've even gone for some of the sessions, like a uh, church conduct. It's fun, fun. I love learning and like understanding different practices, religion. So it's, if anything, it's a value add. And then I really look forward to it.
0: Amazing. And Surin, I'm going to pick up on your point at the end there about value add a bit later. But for now, do you both want to tell us about telling family and how that process was
2: for you? I probably told my family before Surin did <laughs> yeah. uh, tell his. So my dad's a doctor as well. And we were going to Australia and we really needed a locum um, of which we could not find. <laughs> and so I thought that would be the perfect opportunity to go Hey Dad, um, I have a friend who might be free to do this. By the way, I'm also seeing him, and uh, I don't, I don't know if he were we're, we were together. We were, together. 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 Like, by the way, he is my boyfriend <laughs> um, Just uh, so he met my dad way before any of the other family members did, and um, actually brought him for lunch. I think he he used the excuse of let me show you around the clinic. Uh, as an excuse so I'm I want to check you out. So they went for lunch and it, it went well. So my family was chilled, like my immediate family, my, my mom is very she's very open to other cultures. She's very excited about the prospect of having this new culture in the family dynamics. But so my grandma's very conservative, um and most Chinese families in Singapore still are, especially the older generations. Chinese being the majority race in Singapore also makes it like they're like 75% Chinese people, like find one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I remember this very clearly, I was, we were quite serious by then, I mean, we knew we were together, and we were going to a buffet, and I was getting food, I'm like, oh, by the way, grandma, so um, I'm seeing someone, she's like, I've not been attached for a long time, so she was like, that's great, so happy for you, I'm like, um, he's Indian, and then she kind of went, oh... <laughs> Nick, you
0: chose to tell your conservative Chinese grandma about your Indian boyfriend at a public restaurant.
2: (laughs) So she couldn't act out. She can't (laughs) shout at you then. Yeah, she's not going (laughs) to shout. She was getting food. She was going to be happy. She wasn't going to be hangry or anything. We want that. Um, And I'm kind of my grandma's favourite and I'm the eldest child. So it's very typical in a Chinese family if you're the eldest and you're like, you're kind of the favourite. Oh, that is not the case in
0: my family.
2: My sister gets away with everything. But I mean I remember at the end Of the meal She kind of came up to me She's like I'm really happy for you As long as you're happy Like it's fine <laughs> um, Through that I think she's been Very accepting In terms of like Inviting him to meals And
1: stuff We're good friends
2: She genuinely does Make an effort I'm not sure She's like Maybe 100% On board with the idea And sometimes She does go in like Oh so is this Getting serious I'm like yeah It's been two years Like it's, it's, it's serious Like I guess It's going yeah. somewhere but, um no, I think I think she she will accept it at the end of the day. But she's probably the only person, I think, who's actually, like, has maybe reservations about it.
0: But, you know, it's so nice to see that even though she has these slightly more conservative views, she still makes the effort and clearly, Nick, your happiness trumps. And Soren, how about your family?
1: I took a while before I revealed it to my parents. I think uh, yeah. when Ben was depowerly and I was having her over to my house, then that's when I mentioned, And yeah, yeah they, were, they were quite happy to meet, yeah. I think if anything, I was the one a bit more worried. We are still quite culturally, quite involved uh, in the sense, family-wise. And most of us grew up, you know, speaking Tamil. My grandmom, you know, is from India. So I'm third generation. So my parents were actually fine. They were, they were understanding. If anything, my, like for my dad and all that, if anything, religion was the kind of touchy subject. But race, mm. not too much of an issue.
2: Okay. And Nick, how did this first meet for Diwali go for you? i mean it was fine it was just it was not the best i think like i would have preferred a smaller
1: intimate setting
2: versus like (laughs) these are all my friends and this is my (laughs) girlfriend, and then having to entertain his friends so i was just left there alone which was like not the best but that's also the difference in our personalities i'm like more reserved and i i don't i'm not the most extroverted when you first meet me whereas Surin's very happy to like you just be thrown in a bunch of strangers and go like Hey everyone,
1: like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> like, like this one's a bit of my part because my bad. Because I had friends over as well. So I kind of just invited in and it's like, okay, hey, make yourself comfortable. And then just introduced her to my mom and a bit of friends. And then I left her because <laughs> I was going around with other friends. Yeah, so, but that, it was okay because by the end of the night, and then she stayed a bit longer, kind of talked to my parents. And uh, that, I mean, I kind of thought it would be just a nice uh, first you know, introductory kind of meeting. I was
2: stressed out enough <laughs> and I didn't realise that that I actually had left my car key yeah, yeah. in the car. Oh no! And so I was looking for in insurance house the whole night and then realising it's actually <laughs> oh, in the car. Uh, but yeah. So, but other than that, it was a great meeting. <laughs> it was a great first yeah. meeting.
0: Oh, lovely. And May and Dave, how was this process of telling family for each of you?
2: This was probably the hardest
4: part of my journey actually told my siblings first so I have a brother and a sister I am super close with both of them and they weren't really surprised that I wasn't dating someone Hindu because all of my friends the people I surround myself with they've always been from completely different cultures and backgrounds and so it was absolutely fine to tell my brother and my sister but for my parents completely different experience to you guys I wrote a letter to my parents and I don't write things down I just didn't know how else to tell them. I flew to Austria to see David and on the journey back, I wrote this letter and I wrote it all in one go and I didn't change it. And it was one of the most difficult things I've ever written. And I found the thought of potentially losing my parents like or losing that relationship unbearable. Even talking about it now makes me emotional because it just makes me think back to that that point. So I read it out to my parents and it was a complete shock to both of them. My parents are both uh, really integrated into the Indian community here. My grandparents were very well known in our community and Getna will know that. And it's the same for her grandparents in Africa. And there's always been this huge sort of pressure to meet expectations for people in our community. And, you know, my mum's really religious. My mum's mum was really religious. Uh, My dad's very traditional. That was quite an overwhelming feeling for me to, to share that with my parents And you know, I think there was a sense of like letting them down because it had always been drilled in Surin. I think you alluded to it before as well about like watching Indian movies and this is how life's meant to be, and you're supposed to marry an Indian. And there was always this expectation that Indians marry Indian. My dad found it difficult. And and later, when we spoke about this later, my dad said, when you had told me, I knew that this was the man you were going to marry. I knew that this wasn't. This wasn't you just telling me you had a boyfriend. This was you telling me, okay, dad, this is the person I'm going to marry. And he said, I had accepted that. I was okay. I was happy that you had met somebody who you want to spend the rest of your life with. And then with my mom, it was a bit more difficult because she is very religious and and religion plays a big, big part of who she is. And therefore, David and I not being the same religion and therefore our children not necessarily being Hindu and being a mixture of religions and cultures. I think she found that very difficult.
0: You must have been 110% sure that this is the guy for you. You want to be 110% sure. I
4: mean, you know my mum and dad, right? For me, I I had to be so sure um, that David was the one and the one worth taking the risk for. And, you know, alluding to sort of David's point earlier where he was talking about, like, we just talked about things over and over again. And it was through talking about these things over and over again that we saw how much our values aligned. And I saw actually how much, how well matched and how much David was the right person for me to marry but I have a very very close relationship with my with my mum and dad and especially my dad and David and I had already you know he had already decided that he was going to move here that was the catalyst for me to tell my parents because him moving here was bigger than him putting a ring on my finger. Mm. David how about for you?
3: For me, the experience is very different um, to that. And I I think it's also interesting, what May say, what you said also about being 110% sure. It's because it's not that easy to be 110% sure in a long-distance relationship, right? And and May had to be very brave before we had even been able to spend that extra time together. And that's why, obviously, communication was key there at the beginning. And then I think the other thing that plays into it is obviously once you tell your parents that you need to be 110% sure, it takes more bravery. Whereas for me, it was never an issue in in no way shape or form like i never considered a different culture a different religion a different nationality a different whatever as a problem and that's um, like i said although i've grown up in a in a very conservative surrounding my parents were always very open minded and for my parents it was also never a problem like and therefore I think for me yeah it was a very straightforward experience and actually I did obviously meet Mae's parents before I had moved here and before meeting them knowing that she had such a difficult conversation is yeah it's difficult to understand when you can't you can't relate to it at all yeah
0: yeah and you know Mae there was initially the pressure of caste as well isn't it not just ethnicity oh yeah
4: I I didn't even mention that because that seems so insignificant now that I've married David but yeah there's a huge pressure on caste. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, you said 75% of the population is Chinese. Why can't you just find one? Here it's completely different, right? There are probably about 5,000 Lahanas in my surroundings. And out of that, 50% were adults. Then another 50% were
0: children. That makes 100%. Good to see your maths is just as bad as mine.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> but carry on. I get, I get what you're saying. <laughs> And
4: then and then you kind of slim it down and you've got this like 5% chance of meeting somebody who's your age, wants to get married. A nice person. Nice person. And then on top of all of those things that I need to match, then you have your values have to align. I mean.
0: And then you narrow it down to five people and you realize one is related to you.
3: <laughs>
0: one is already seeing someone. <laughs> And then we all have something shallow in our criteria, right? And for me, that's height. I am pushing 5'7", and I think that is above average height, maybe, for an Indian girl? Yeah, you are. So then the third potential guy, his head just about reaches my shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) we
3: have
0: got two people to choose from. So yeah, it is hard. So May, how did you meet David's family then? So basically, it was
4: David's birthday. And he had kind of told his family about me. And so I basically spoke to his best friend and I was like, I want to surprise him for his birthday. And he didn't know he's coming. And I was like, oh, I can't make it. I'm really sorry. And then his best friend and I were talking and he was like, okay, I'll pick you up from the airport. Then I'll take you like to see David. I was like, okay, great. So I landed David's best friend and his brother, who I definitely wasn't expecting was signing at the airport. And I double looked at his brother because David and his brother looked really similar. And I was like, hold on, this is supposed to be a surprise. And I was like, what? I, is that my brother? Like, would that be my brother? in law And then I wasn't expecting him. So like straight away, like David's best friend just burst out laughing as they were holding a massive sign um, to like welcome May. And I got in the car and I was just like, I don't know what to say. My German's not so great. Their English is not so great. And we're trying to have a conversation. Didn't go that well. And then I think, right, they're like driving me to see David. It's going to be great. No, where do I go? Knock, knock, knock. We're at David's sister's house. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. So basically they had like all been introduced to me, which I totally wasn't expecting. And David wasn't there.
0: And David, you didn't know a thing at all.
3: No, 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 no. I didn't know anything. I didn't know May was coming at all. And I was at my parents' house. So there was then the next round of introductions basically going up.
4: <laughs> and Dave is just not great with surprises. And that was my first experience of him not being great with surprises. So then we got to his house and he was there and he was all like ready for his birthday. And I was like, hi. And he was like, oh, hi. What are you doing here? That, that was literally his reaction. I was like, oh, my God, I've just been through all of this. And now he doesn't even care. <laughs> anyway so that night then was his birthday and actually it was a really 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 great time to meet his parents because it was just so obvious when we went there his parents just love entertaining and when I went I was so happy to see that when I went there because my parents also love entertaining and love having people in the house and that that's really important to me to just have an open house and so when I saw that in reality it was just really really lovely and there was this one point where it was me, David's dad, David's sister, David's brother. And we were, they have this like outdoor bench and all three of us were just sitting on this bench and we were watching everyone else party. And we were just sitting on this bench and we were, we had a, I think we had a, a, a rum in our hand because my father-in-law had just been to Cuba. So we were just sitting there drinking and, and just watching and talking. And it was just such a difference in comparison to the way I knew David would meet my
0: parents. And Dave, how did that go?
3: Well, the setting was a lot more formal, I would say, which naturally it would be. Um, it was the night of Hoobie's wedding, actually. So May's, May's best friend's wedding. And obviously the families know each other. Everybody was invited, whole family. So I would just come over to May's house before then to, to meet her parents. And and I will say that May did probably on purpose not communicate how difficult the conversation with her parents was beforehand, right? Before we had met about the whole thing, because that would have obviously caused more pressure for the whole meeting in general, I think. So I just was just quite lighthearted, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't super nervous or anything not more than you would usually be. And it, it was then quite relaxed, I would say. The atmosphere is quite relaxed. So ever since I met May's mom and dad, it was never that I felt unwelcome or anything, like, or that they would have wanted someone else for a son-in-law. They always made me feel like a part of the family from day one, like literally that day, and although it was more formal and although we wouldn't have been able to sit on a bench and have a, have a glass of rum, but it was very similar in the way that like it, it was a very warm welcome from the beginning. And even ever since, my mom and dad have always like, show me all the love, all the love there is. I, I'm, I'm sometimes choking that I'm obviously a favorite son of the family.
0: Aww.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Knowing obviously how it is sometimes difficult with different cultures or it can be dif- different than how often in the community it's potentially frowned upon or something to to marry outside i think that's why it means even more that they have been so open to it like they have opened up immediately and while it seemed to be difficult when when may first spoke to them by that point they sort of said okay look let's get to know him let's see if he's a nice guy and yeah it was it was actually really nice we had a really good evening i mean the wedding was blast so yeah it was it was good
0: okay wonderful so we've all met each other's families, all is well. I want to know, do the differences actually impact you on a day-to-day basis?
2: Recently, we were <laughs> at Ding Tai Fang, which is this um, like Chinese restaurant. Katna has been like one of her favourite places, I think. But every time I go into a Chinese restaurant with him, they end up speaking to me in English as well. Like, I don't understand Mandarin. I respond in Chinese and then they're like, oh, okay, we can speak Mandarin now. But it's, <laughs> it's just the assumption, that somehow. Like, if you're with him, that you're maybe more... I don't know. Not as Chinese. Um, it was one of those things. I think so. It's it's as much as it's accepted. There are definitely some stereotypes that come with it. I think
1: for me personally, day to day, not really. Uh, I don't like like what I mentioned. Like it, it's a common thing that we see in Singapore, like multi racial couple. So in terms of like friends, never an issue at all. Going out together, maybe if anything, if we go to Little India, right? And then I'm holding a hand and walking around. Yes. Obviously, you're gonna get the odds there because you you're like, "Oh, is this who's this Indian brother with?" You know, <laughs> like I, I can imagine. But otherwise, actually, I I've never felt yeah any issue at all.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think that there, there are different definitely differences, but they don't come out as challenges um, so much. Definitely, certainly, also not anymore. I mean, obviously, with being vegetarian, non-vegetarian, for example, we have that situation where I'm raised to eat everything, basically. Um, and May is obviously and, and her entire family is vegetarian. So I just adjusted more towards that. So we don't eat meat at home and, and that's perfectly fine for me. And we said for Dylan, for example, as well, that we would raise him vegetarian. But that's not that's not a challenge anymore. Like I, I wouldn't see the cultural differences as challenges anymore as such. There are certain things that might be due to our backgrounds. So like me living um, in a village and maybe being brought up in a city, but I don't see them as challenges anymore. We just like worked through them and now we're pretty clear of each other's expectations and we just accepted that we're at that stage, I think.
0: Okay, and Surin, you mentioned earlier that the difference in religion is actually a value add. So how have the differences enriched you?
1: I've had a lot of Chinese friends, but uh, friends is one thing. Of course, when you have a partner, a girlfriend or wife-to-be who's going to be Chinese, and spending time with the family. Definitely small things that you will learn to appreciate. I'm a person who loves to learn about different religion, races, culture and all that. So this yeah. comes in very handy because like, <laughs> like it's like a perfect reason to learn more and fully embrace, yeah. you know. So like Christmas, Chinese New Year, uh, going about visiting, learning about why people do these practices. We always see it, see it in school, but to be doing it with like a family or shall yeah. you call it your own family, it's something yeah. so that that's cool
2: at the same time in none of it there's no overlap so I know friends in Chinese New Year they're like which house do we go to and for us it's kind of easy it's like it's my house or his house Yeah, <laughs> yes. yes. which is nice but the, on the more serious note I think like what's also really nice is um, because he's so embracing of other cultures It's and mm-hmm. questioning in some ways like he's keen to find out more it's kind of made me think back as to why I'm doing certain things as well which is it's nice because sometimes you just end up doing things on a routine like you just you don't think about yeah. it like why am I going to church Like and yeah. questioning I think it's good to always question why you're doing certain things and especially if you're doing it 80% of your day or, so, or whatever it is right like it's nice yeah. to kind of like just sit pick back stock. and, and take stock, stock that way and, and and I think having someone from a different culture and coming seeing things from a different perspective gives you a different mm-hmm. perspective
3: it's funny because my dad every year on Diwali he sends me the newspaper article of the Austrian newspaper that's well and good they write about it but you have to live it, right? You have to see it. And it's the same with Christmas. Like my dad every year goes mad about Christmas. He gets a six meter Christmas tree just because that's his thing. And and that uh, on the other hand side is so nice for me to see. And I think that's the thing that really like enriches us as individual people, but it only can happen because we're together in this sort of relationship. I think that the one thing I, I would probably add is that the biggest beneficiary in like obviously having all the different um, cultures and everything will hopefully actually be our kids who will then also like be able to really be both.
0: Do you ever worry that some of your culture will be lost? The plan is, is to
4: move to Austria, and that's where we are going to be living in the future. And therefore, it was important for me that Dylan had an Indian first name, so that even if he was raised in a non-Indian society, that he would still have some form of heritage in, in his name. If he was just named something non-Indian, I think, you know, that that kind of gets lost so, in, and then in terms of languages, I then want to make sure he speaks English as well because that's such a useful language. David only speaks German. When we move to Austria, I will speak more Gujarati to him naturally um, because I want him to make sure he understands it and learns it and can speak three languages. That Who, who wouldn't want to, right?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm actually quite uh, amazed and impressed with uh, what you guys have done at Dylan in terms of the languages. Languages is always for me the third the most difficult part, because I feel so intertwined with culture and when you lose it it's it's a big issue. I've personally seen friends who have been brought up by uh multicultural parents and they have actually they've been either very much more Chinese for example or very much more indian there's there's no real balance and I, I, some of the culture is lost for sure I've also seen very uh, good positive examples where. Uh, like what uh, me and David were alluding to, like uh, in terms of getting both the cultures, both the languages, and they really become um, this very open-minded, uh, learned individual who, you know, probably would be able to uh, better assimilate in the world, in that sense, yeah. in, a, in a globalized world. And that, I mean, if that is the eventual outcome, that would be cool.
0: That's great. Nick and Surin. just continuing with you,
2: what are your future plans?
1: I guess the ball is in my cart because I haven't proposed yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: we'll we'll need to wait for lockdown so you can get here for the wedding.
3: <laughs>
0: I was just going to say you need to make sure it's after international travel properly opens because I'm coming. And <laughs> May, I'm going to be a typical Gujarati auntie and ask, is a sibling for Dylan in the plan? In the plan, yes. <laughs> on a serious note, I would like to end with your thoughts because what you have said is so powerful so before I ask my last question, I want to just thank you guys so much for coming onto the podcast and for sharing your journeys. It's a really beautiful thing to see how you've all embraced your differences and actually said that it's been a more enriching experience for each of you. So to finish with, what would you say firstly to anyone who wants to but is scared of starting an interracial relationship because of the differences and secondly to anyone in a cross-cultural relationship who may be struggling?
3: On the first part of the question, I think I think there it's just really important to do what makes you happy. You and the other person, like the, the unit of, of the two people. Because at the end of the day, you might be concerned about some people around you, about their reactions, about how they feel about it. But at the end of the day, those people that you are concerned about are usually your most loved ones because otherwise you don't really care about them so much anyway. And those people will want you to be happy, right? Those people will certainly want the best for you. And if that other person, same culture or different culture, is right for you and makes you genuinely happy, then I think it will, in most cases, work out. Of course, not always. Like, there will be examples where that's unfortunately not the case, but I think it still is your life. And therefore, if you want to be happy, you have to do what makes you happy. To your second part of the question, I think when you said, for those who are in it, but potentially cannot bridge the gap and, gap. and I think there it is a matter of thinking about what the actual problem is and and talking it through. Because for us, for me and myself, for example, of course we had fights, but they were hardly ever about culture or about religion or anything like that. It was just simple, basic things. You didn't load the dishwasher correctly. I don't like that. You know. Like,
2: <laughs> My view is just, if you're thinking about it and wanting to do it. You should just go for it. I think seeing someone as a person, as a to what skin color they are the religion or whatever that that kind of is secondary once you get to know the person like ultimately it's just another human being and you fall in love with the person not anything else it's really worth giving it a shot and and i'm not saying we were really lucky just in terms of becoming being singaporeans and having similar cultures and values sometimes that doesn't work out like sometimes the bridge is too great but until you try Mm -hmm. and until you try and talk through it i i think you never really know so you should always try and give that a, a
1: shot so for me, uh, I think, I think you, you guys mentioned it before, like to find someone with the same value system, someone that you're attracted to um, and someone that you want to spend the rest of your life is hard enough. Um, yeah. Putting up barriers because of uh, language and religion just makes the task even harder. So for me, I feel, I mean, life is quite simple. You feel someone that you can connect with And you genuinely feel they're a good person and you want to spend the rest of your life. I think that's that. Um, All the other discussions about like race, religion, kids, all that is important, but it would be still secondary to me. So I would still say like, likewise, Nick said, uh, go for it. But of course, when when you reach that stage, you need to have the discussions and being open, communicating well. I think that makes the world of difference. But uh, I would still say having the value system and other stuff are still a bigger priority rather than uh, race, religion. And as we get older, when we progress in life, actually you see it more and more. um, And race, religion and culture rather um, would still be, uh, I would say, something that can be worked upon, discussed and uh, embraced, as we have said. Mm -hmm.
4: I think as the world becomes more modern... It's more about who the person is rather than what color they are or where they come from. Don't let culture be a barrier to a relationship. Don't let race be a a barrier to a relationship. And and speaking from experience of coming from a a more traditional background, you know, one thing I would say is, is be brave and be bold you know, make sure you're ready to have that conversation and to share your relationship with your family. Don't let the pressure overwhelm you because actually the people you might share it with, they might just surprise you.